0: Chad, thank you, Kelly, for leading us into the throne room today. Thank you, Brother Bill, for that stirring message. You should have done it with the puppets. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been cool. You never know what's going to happen here at the Passion Church. I'm Pastor Guy, and welcome to our online streaming Facebook service. We want you to really tune in today to what the Spirit of God would say to you. Um, we're trying everything we know to, to be that church for you in this hour. Uh, whether it's our Kingdom Kids online church or whether it's this streaming or our video chat life groups. We're trying to meet you where you are. And uh, one of the things that I would ask that you do is that you share our post, our Facebook stuff. Um, If you don't share it, your friends don't see it. If they're not hooked up with the Passion Church themselves, they won't see those advertisements. So make sure you share it with your friends. That's the way to get them to... uh, be a part of what we're doing here at the church it's almost like inviting somebody to church and so that's what we should be doing uh, let's go ahead and we'll pray and we'll get into God's word. Are you ready today? well hook up with me Father God, there ain't nobody like you. we want to see your glory in this earth we want to see your glory in our lives we want to we want to resist our tendencies towards darkness and rebellion. We want to rise on wings as eagles, and we want to see your face. We want to live in such a way that our holy lives, we can see you, Father. We want to touch heaven today. We want to be filled with who you are, and we want the world to see that light. Let that light shine and let the whole world see. That is our desire, Father. We want to grow closer and closer. We don't want to be drifting away. We don't want to be backslidden. We don't want to be on a slow fade. We want to be on a hard hard uh, march towards holiness and towards you and the things that you desire for our lives. And that's why we've got ears to hear, to tune in to what you would say from heaven today. Lord, please open our ears. Open our heart to understand what it is you would say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, I'm going to move a little closer. There we go. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25 through 28 is where we're going to start today. And this is a scripture we've been, I think we've preached on it uh, recently, talked about it a lot. More than anything, we feel it. I've been feeling it lately. All right, it says, verse 25, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Now, who's speaking? It's God. It's God that is speaking. You say, well, I don't hear God. Well, you must not have your ears open. You certainly don't have your eyes open. Because you can look around at this world and the condition that it's in today, and you can see That God is clearly speaking. Tune in. That's what we're talking about. Make a decision that I'm going to tune in to what God is doing in my life and for this world. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger... We will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. What do you mean, escape? Escape from what? Well, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. Can you imagine? But now he makes another promise Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. How unshakable are you? Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, heaven's unshakable, God's not up there trembling, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. The immortal words of Well, I think he's still alive. In the words of Jerry Lee Lewis, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. If you can't feel it, if you're not sensitive, I don't know what planet you're living on. And this is only the beginning. Well, pastor, you say like shaking is a good thing. You act like all this stuff happening in the world is a good thing. Well, listen to the message and don't make up your mind already. You see, this week I was asleep in my bed, and I can't remember, about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I don't remember what night, but it was when one of those storms came through. Wind was blowing so hard that the flagpole outside of my bedroom, that flag was... I thought it was going to blow the flag and the flagpole down. And I'm going to be honest. I, don't, I typically sleep through storms. I don't worry about them. They don't, I'm not afraid of storms, typically. But it was something about the wind blowing and howling and pressing against that window of my bedroom with such force that made me think, this is shaking me. I'm a little afraid. Pastor, you said, you're always telling us not to be afraid. Well, <laughs> hey, it's easy to be the coach. <laughs> you know, it's easier to be the coach than the player. It's easy to tell somebody what to do when you're not in the situation. I admit that. I'm human, we're all human, we, we have a tendency to allow things, the anxiety of this world creep on us and make us afraid. Well, I begin to pray and shake that off. That's what we have to do, right? But I was thinking, what made me afraid was, all my life growing up, I heard of tornadoes every now and then, not much. Never in my life had I heard of one hitting a city until here recently, the last few years. And now it seems like every week or two, you have a huge tornado tear through a, a, a city. People killed like never before. It seems like the storms are coming with such intensity. Stop scaring me, Pastor, I'm sorry. But that's just what's happening. And I don't know how to explain it. I woke up that next morning... And Angie said you got to come see this, my wife. She took me out in the backyard and a big old oak tree, I mean one of those oak trees you can't fit your arms near about around. 100 150 year old oak tree had fallen over. Whoo! if it had fallen towards the house, it would have hit the house, maybe crushed my son's bedroom. It would have hit my boat, could have hit my truck, could have hit my shed. But by God's mercy, it fell the other way. Didn't hit anything that was of any consequence. Thank you, Lord. But that's a shaking. That's a shaking that's a little too close to home. And I'm talking about literally. Now, I loved my two big oaks in the back, I had twin oaks. You go in the backyard, you could look up and you couldn't even see the sky. It was almost like it was, you was in an auditorium and leaves were the audience. I mean, it was just beautiful. But now I have one oak and a big window. So now I can see the sky. And I was saying, God, I miss my oaks. And I was praying and, and it came to me. I don't know if it was God or whatever, but the scripture came to me that says, be like lightning flashing From the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And looking out that window, through that window, where that oak tree is missing, is due east. I was thinking, well, at least I'll be able to see him when he comes. (laughs) Shaking. Are you looking? Are you looking for his coming? That's what the shaking is all about. Maybe the intensity of the world right now is just what God has been preparing us for all along. Well, Pastor, you preached lately about that we live in Goshen and we don't suffer the same things that Egypt did. We got a pass. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You, you only remember the things that you want to remember about that sermon. The first three plagues, Goshen experienced. They experienced the beginning of the shaking. And besides, in Peter, he says that judgment must begin at the house of God. You see... We need to become that unshakable entity in the world. We need to have our faith house settled so that when the real shaking happens, people know where to turn. We must endure the shaking. Jesus told the parable of the two houses, right? And the wind and the waves broke against both of them. 1 Peter 4.12 tells us, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials That you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead. Be very glad. What? Be very glad for fiery trials. It says for these trials make you partners. With Christ. In his suffering. Didn't Jesus suffer while he was here? Even the son of man. Suffered more than us all. And when we go through these trials, we need to see them in a different light. We're suffering with Christ so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. You don't suffer with him. You don't experience the glory. Some might say, God, why don't you just leave us alone? Won't you? I mean, we got a good thing going here. I mean, I got my 401k, I got my boat, I got everything I need. God, why? why are you keep messing with us. Well, first, let me say this. God ain't having to do much. It's the consequences of our own sin that has the world shaking. It says the earth trembles waiting for the sons of man, would somebody please do something about this sin that is causing the earth to tremble? It is the sin that of mankind that is causing most of the shaking. Second, we well, say, why don't God just stop it? Well, how comfortable do you want God to make it for the sinners that are on their way to hell? Should he just turn his back and say, well, we wouldn't want to inconvenience you on your way to hell. Or must he intervene? My wife came one time. She said, the engine in my car is making a noise. She said, but it's not doing it anymore. I said, what would you do to fix it? She said, I cut the radio up. (laughs) she didn't really say that she'll get on to me if I said she did but some women I can imagine maybe some men too would do that cut that radio up and not worry about what's going on God doesn't have to worry about us the fact that he does makes us want to love him all the more he must confront the issues or we'll just spin off into an eternal death spiral Billions of people, billions of people. I said a couple weeks ago that every generation must face its time of testing. Whether it be wars during their lifetime, whether it be the Great Depression, these pandemics. Every generation must face the time of testing. It's God's mercy that sinners must taste a little of the consequences of their rebellion before it's too late. Some of us will only learn the hard way. I thought about shaking. What does it do? A Shaking removes those things in our life that ought not be there anyway. If you're panning for gold, you shake that pan until all the rocks and the dirt and the unvaluables are shaken out, leaving only the gold. If you got dirt on your clothes, what do you do? You shake it off. Shaking can be a good thing, my friends. You got a can of spray paint? You gotta shake that thing. You gotta make it fluid so that it can it can reach its intended purpose. You need to do some shaking, my friend. I need to do some shaking. We need to shake this dirt off. We need to shake down to the things that matter. We need to shake ourselves so that we can reach our intended purpose in this life. You shake two things together. Maybe you pour them together and shake them up. Become something inseparable. And that's what it's supposed to be like between you and God. Inseparable. Shaken together. Shaken can either break you or shaken can make you stronger. You see, some buildings crash when an earthquake comes. Some of them stand. We need, at one time or another in our life, both things to happen. There was a time in my life that I thought I was a strong tower, but I needed to be shaken and I needed to be broken. And now that I've been broken, my friend. I need to be shaken so that I can get stronger. Each time a believer endures a shaking, he leaves bigger on the inside, stronger in faith, more of a lighthouse, better beacon for the world. Our presence and our prayers here on this earth make life bearable to the rest of the world. Christians make a difference. We had tornadoes come through several months back, hit very close to home in Lewisburg, maybe 20 miles from the church here. One day I went out there for the cleanup. Never seen such devastation right here in our own community. Do you know there was not one fatality reported? Not one. You would have thought 30, 40 people lost their life if you would have saw the results of that tornado, but none. Don't you think it it may have something to do with the God-fearing people in this community, our church and others who are praying? Psalms 46, verse 1. Before I get there, let me think. Let me throw this in there. You know, there's a tribulation coming. Seven years. After the saints are taken up in the rapture. You don't want to be here for that. You see, it's the Christians down here that's running the hospitals. It's the Christians down here that's running the charities. It's the Christians down here that has compassion. It's the Christians down here that are praying and believing God for the safety of, of others. Psalms 46.1, I had put this in my sermon earlier in the week, and then the next day I read my Bible app, and what was the, the scripture of the day? <laughs> Psalms 46.1. Do you know there's sixty six Bibles or 66 books in the Bible, thousands of pages, Never ceases to amaze me how God can speak, how he can confirm. Psalms forty six one says God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. See, He's He's longing to hear our prayer so that He can move on behalf of our nation. So we will not fear when earthquakes shaken. When earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea, let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city, and it cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. You see, we're not from here. I'm not a citizen of Hernando, so to speak, where I live. First and foremost, I'm a citizen citizen of the city of God. And that's an unshakable kingdom. You know, really what we need in in this time as Christians, well, as people, (laughs) is perspective. A little better perspective. For example, if I could assure you without a Shred of doubt that tomorrow you're going to die. Oh, you'd probably leave here kicking and screaming. You'd be in such a panic. Can you imagine the the angst that would bring to your heart? Oh, no, I'm going to die tomorrow. But if I would have phrased it like this, if I'd have said tomorrow, my friend, you're going to be in heaven. Tomorrow, there'll, there'll be no more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain, none of this destruction. You'll be in the arms of your Savior. Tomorrow you'll be enjoying your eternal rewards. You'll be seeing those saints that went on before you and, and throwing a party for all the ones down here getting saved. Oh, you'll be feasting with the Lord your God tomorrow. You might just be a little bit more excited. Do you understand? The same thing happens in both scenarios, but it's perspective. Perspective. And as Christians, we cannot allow ourselves to get the wrong perspective, not hold on to the things that don't matter, but grasp the things that do. This shaking is a sign of the end times. And that means I'm closer to heaven than I've ever been before. That's the perspective. Is it easy? No, it's not easy. But it's bringing me home. It's bringing me home. Jesus went through storms. He calmed some of them. He walked on some of them. Can you imagine the shaking that Jesus endured in the garden that night? It shook the blood from his pores. But he said, nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine be done. It shook loose everything that was not of the Father. It it shook off everything but his resolve to carry out God's will. Shaking is not a bad thing. Do you ever watch, or I say, watch? You ever read the Bible and understand that these are real people? Going through real situations, you see the shaking all through the Bible for each generation since the beginning of mankind. I like to put myself in the place of some of the people in the stories. You know, it's easy to put yourself in the place of Moses or David or somebody of the Hall of Fame of Faith, but I was thinking about those Roman soldiers who put Jesus on the cross. I was thinking about who I used to be before I got saved. Who I might have become if it weren't for the mercy of God. Those Romans were battle-hardened men. They were used to the stench of death. I imagine they jumped at the chance to be part of Pontius Pilate's torture crew. I mean, they'd still see carnage, right? but at least they weren't fighting back. Now think about this one soldier. Maybe maybe he wasn't the one that administered the lashes to Jesus' back. Maybe he was just the one that shackled him to the whipping post. Maybe the, he, didn't, he didn't realize that really it was his sin that had shackled Jesus to that whipping post. And that's the thing we don't realize. We don't realize We really don't care. I didn't care before I knew Jesus. I didn't know this Jesus. This Roman soldier probably said, I'm I'm just doing my job here, man. Leave me alone. Probably irritated him to have Jesus' blood splattered on him. So it didn't trouble him at all to join in the ridiculing later when they put that purple robe on Jesus. They spit on him and... Slapped him around and made fun of him. Maybe this was the soldier that pressed the, the thorn of crowns down on his brow. He got a big laugh out of that. All the other guys thought that was so funny. He was so proud of himself. He thought to himself, this don't look like no king to me. He's got all those suckers fooled out there. Maybe you're thinking that today. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you're thinking... Why am I even watching this? He's just got all you suckers fooled. Well, he walked him down up that hill to Calvary. And it was a lot of suckers fooled. Man, this was unusual. He wasn't used to seeing such a a climb on the hill to Calvary. When they got there, he was the one who stretched out Jesus' arms so they could hammer in the nails and the Galilean said father forgive them for they don't know what they do and he winced that was a strange thing to say but he shook it off and he joined in as they threw dice for his clothing and his His belongings. And isn't that what we're doing here on the earth if we don't know Jesus? We're just throwing the dice hoping we can get some of God's belongings. And that'll be enough for us. Well, maybe this Roman soldier won the robe. He stuffed it in his pile of stuff and thought, maybe I can can wash the blood out later. That's what many people are trying to do is wash the blood away. They want a religion without blood. They want a life without suffering. Yeah, he stashed that robe in his pile. He got a bunch of stuff. And the Lord Jesus was hanging there in shame of his nakedness. But oh, it's just another day. At the job, one step closer to an end that he makes himself never think about. I don't have to let my mind go there. I wouldn't, when, before I was born again, I wouldn't let my mind think about death. I avoided the subject like it was the plague. <laughs> Whatever happened to that Roman soldier, Pastor? I do know this, there was a deep darkness came on the whole land. Deep darkness. An unsettling, supernatural darkness. And I bet that Roman soldier looked around and thought to himself, well, maybe it's an eclipse of the sun. But it just kept going on and on. For three long hours, unexplainable darkness, that coupled with the wailing of the women on the hillside. He promised the thief, paradise. Something is weird happening here. This whole father forgive them thing. This is not like any crucifixion that I ever oversaw. And he begins... To do some self reflection for the first time, maybe in his life. Maybe he's never stopped. And maybe that's where you are. You've never stopped to consider how you got here, where you're going, how you're acting. You just existing. And he was already trembling, my friend, when the shaking came. When the shaking came, this guy was already trembling. And we'll pick up the story in Matthew 27. It says, then Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. Let me read that again. Jesus shouted out again and he released his spirit. And God died for his creation. Does that mean anything? Does that seem like an important Saying in the history of mankind that God would die for his creation. And at that moment the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks split apart. There was a shaking and tombs were opened. And the bodies of godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. They left the cemetery after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city of Jerusalem and appeared to many people. Oh, my friend, and because of the shaking going on today, the dead are still coming out of the tombs. The dead are still coming alive because they're being shaken awake and they're reaching out for something and they see that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, and He is the only way to the Father. And this shaking is causing an awakening in their lives. And the Roman officer and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake and all that had happened. And they said, this man was truly the Son of God. A shakening awakening. And Luke says it like this, when the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, He worshiped God. These battle hardened men come into this thing, could care less about anything or anybody or anybody else. But after the shaking, they worshiped God. Surely this man was innocent. There's always a shaking in the shadow of the cross. I want to say that again because I want you to come to the cross today. There's always a shaking in the shadow of the cross. If you've ever made your way to stand in the shadow of the cross, there's a deep darkness that requires deep contemplation, that spurs a shakening into an awakening. If you've considered who it was on that cross, and you considered whose cross it was, my friend, how can you leave the same? How can you not say, but truly, this was the Son of God and worship Him? What do we do, Pastor? As Christians, what do we do? You're saying, I'm not a Christian. What do I do? Well, as Christians, I would say in Romans 12, 12, it says rejoice in our confident hope. You see, we're not like those without hope in this world. We should rejoice that we know where we're going. And we know that our God wins. We should rejoice in our confident hope and be patient in trouble. Show some endurance. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. You want some advice for today? You want something three points to leave with? There you go, my friend. Rejoice in a confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. For the rest of you who don't know Jesus, Peter said it best in Acts The second chapter, verses 36 through 38, he says, he preached a message. He said, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. You say, stop there, pastor. I had nothing to do with it. I wasn't there. It was your sin that put him on the cross, my friend. It was my sin that put him on the cross. He had no sin. So know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. And Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and said to the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. You must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll be forgiven. That blood that you didn't want splattered on you, now you will say, wash me clean with it, Lord Jesus. Take away my sins. I'm trusting in you because I realize I cannot make my way to heaven. There's not a tower tall enough to bridge the gap between a holy God and a sinful man. But there is Jesus. Bow your head with me, my friend. Close your eyes. If you're a Christian right now, do that third thing that I told you to do. Pray. Pray for your lost friends and loved ones. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He says to you, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He requires this of you, that you repent and turn to God. Repentance and faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Not that you clean up your act and get yourself together and start doing better in your own willpower. No. You can put on every bandage that you have, but you will never make it to heaven. Trust in himself. You must put your trust in the cross. You must come to the shadow of the cross and put your trust in the one who hung there for you. He and he alone was without sin. And he says, if you will trust me, I will impute my righteousness to you. That's the message of the cross. That's the good news. You don't have to wonder what's going to happen when I die. You can have that confident hope. I'm speaking to you, my lost friend. If you'll pray with me right now, and you'll mean it with your heart, you won't be lost by the time this broadcast is over. Jesus will be your Lord, your Savior, your Messiah, your Christ. Pray with me simply like this. I want you to say it out loud. Father God, I repent of my sins. And I give my life to you. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Send your Holy Spirit into my heart. Wash me clean by the blood that you shed for me. Make my life count. Lead me in a path of right living for your name's sake. Help me to know you. I give you my life.